Do you believe in miracles? Got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, Fizzle? good, man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show. Let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building. He gonna stay with him. They gonna start every show off with their own trade. Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tapping in Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way. Hit that notification bell when the news break. Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late. Destination Devi, that's the team. Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing. I remember Biggie said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer screens. Welcome to the team. Welcome back in everybody to another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here and supporting us. Man, it has been a crazy couple weeks, Adam. It has been ridiculous. We have been doing rookie content out the yin-yang and it kind of feels like we're just finally coming to the end, right? A lot of drafts have already been done. A lot of them just wrapping up. Now we get into the uh, the tough part, right? We get into that little bit of lull season. We're going to start conjecture season. So how you doing, buddy? First off and for, for, first off and foremost, man, stumbling over my words right there. First off and foremost, how are you doing tonight? First off and foremost, I'm doing very well. Dynasty Degenerates, appreciate you tapping in again. Uh, I, love, I love having this as a staple, man, just to come talk about it. Mike, the worst part about it is what you already said, like, I can feel it already in my bones, this hype that's going to play up for another couple weeks, and then that buzz just wears off, and it's like, okay, what do we do now? And people just kind of stand around. It's like Will Ferrell, right, in, um, you know, Saladega yeah. Nights. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. He's putting his hands up, and just, just put your hands down. People don't know what to do with themselves until the season starts to kick around, or at least come to training camp right and we're playing preseason games because it it feels like there's going to be this long summer where there's going to be stagnant no movement and I'll tell you what really kind of solidified that for me is seeing this draft class kind of especially in the back half not really live up to expectations there there's not as much in the player pool of these rookies that make people really, really over their skis for the next two months, right? Now, there's going to be some. There's going to be a couple tight ends that are way out of line. There's going to be, obviously, Bijan and Gibbs. There's the three quarterbacks that got the draft capital. Some people are even still willing to trade for, for Levis in that, but there's just not the hype for as many players as we hoped that would keep the tradeability going in this offseason. But I, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing very well. 
I'm excited to get into another episode of uh, of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast and Dynasty Degenerates. We are going to continue to bring this to you even in the stagnant seasons, which are the summer in Dynasty Football. And Dynasty never sleeps for the degenerates. They're here. They're tapped in. They're paying attention. Adam, for you, let me let me just ask you, right? Let's let's do a hypothetical, and you've got multiple ones to choose from. But your league just finished drafting. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now with your team? Like just generically. I I would say this. Um, generically, I'm kind of assessing. I will say this for for the four Ds, right? We talked about direction a lot. Now, what I'm not going to do is full out commit and leverage future for picking a direction of contending, right? Like that's not going to be something I do. But I will probably look at my team and think about, okay, if this was the core, what what is my goal to start the year? What does my goal look like eight weeks in? And if I think I have a team that is somewhat ready to compete, I'm looking to see if I can leverage some of these guys that have hype, that are rookies in this class that people are still excited for. And see if I can trade that maybe for somebody who's more depressed in value. Like we, we can talk about this in a lot of different ways, but the wide receiver position, especially like there's four guys that stick out so, so much like sore thumbs to me. Devontae Adams and Cooper cup would be in the back half of the tier, right? Cause they're a little older cups been injured Adams. It's like, we don't know what his situation really looks like. We don't know how good he's going to be in this new quarterback situation and if he's going to be there all year, how his points per game really are. And then a step up for me personally, because I think there's a little bit more left in the tank would be um, Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill in in a different tier. But those four guys, especially if I can start leveraging JSN, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, those latter two, even if I have to add a plus right now to go get secured points that are way out of line on a team that I think I'm ready to do, like that would be a move I'd want to do. Now, if I'm looking at my team and I'm basically like, like I know this team really can't compete, but maybe out, out of out of somewhere, like I get lucky and it is competitive, I can go address that week six, week eight, you know, if that's the case. Like if I, if I end up being four and two or, you know, five and two, six and two, five and three, whatever it would be. Okay. Now I can move some of these picks or younger players and move them appropriately to go win if I'm ready to do that. But if I don't think I can do that now, or I don't really envision a scenario where I'm a top five, six team in the league, I'd rather stay more flexible, even though this is probably the season where I could exploit the youth movement versus the points per game movement. Wow, man, you you jumped way into like really 40 in chess. I was keeping it simple, man. I'm super basic. <laughs> right after the rookie draft, man, I'm going through my roster and going, who the hell can I get rid of? Who's going to get off of this squad? So like for, for me, for example, I just had a lineup league, pretty deep bench with uh, taxis, you know, traditional, uh, not our best ball leagues where you don't have a taxi squad. But I'm looking at guys going like, all right, I got to move this dude off a of taxi is even worth holding on to like I had a good one year one year run with him and and now he's going to hit the road cuz he's just worth nothing so right like like some examples I'm looking at cuts and I I made like Britton Brown you remember him the <laughs> running back on the Raiders <laughs> like 
nah, I'm good, man. I didn't see nothing I, from you. See you hit the road. Miles Gaskin, it's been I, nice. I remember both of them. Um, and remember being on my teams. Yeah, I'm with right. you. We got, we got to cut them, you know? Right, like Will Fuller. Like, I can just give up that hope. Like, that's probably well, done. Well, like, the Will Fuller thing, right? Like, what's interesting is I, I remember his roster ship last year, like midway through the year, still being to the point where I'm like, we're in yeah. the forty percent range, thirty percent. Right. Okay, I get. I kind of got it on like, all right, this team, we got a roster thirty five, thirty eight people. So you're like, all right, maybe he'll play in what we think is the fantasy playoff. So he'll go play somewhere. He didn't play all year. At this point, if you're holding on to him, you have to really ask yourself: Is there honestly no one on waivers? that you'd rather have or would you rather not just clear the roster spot and tear down to two other players like will will fuller to me is somebody that i'll cut and if he ends up signing i'll just throw it back in my uh fab offseason but i'm not betting on that so i don't need to really like get ready for that to be the case you know right i think for me too like one of the things i like to do personally is get my taxis in order so Agreed. most leagues that are playing, I'm pretty sure just about all of them have a one-year limit on taxi. I know some people go out two or three years. Uh, good for you if you want to do that, but I set everything up just one year. You get one-year buffer. So I go through my taxis too, and you know you just drafted a ton of rookies. But I don't want to put rookies on my taxi that I'm going to have the likelihood of calling up to the active roster at some point. You know, if I Jonathan Mingo is a good one. Like I don't want to put him on my taxi. But one of the things I'll do is I'll go through and I'll clear out some of the junk and, and maybe I don't have enough junk. Maybe I don't have enough Will Fullers and Britton Browns and Tyler Goodsons just hanging around that I can just cut and move on from. Uh, I'll put the the rookies that I, that I know I'm keeping for sure on the taxi right now, clear out some of the junk roster spots, and then go pick up some more rookies on, on waivers, the guys who made it through the drafts. Like, you know. I don't think they're uh, they're locks or anything to ever make my lineup, but guys I want to take a shot on, like Mo Ibrahim or uh, Elijah Higgins, like those kind of guys who may slip through the cracks, those are the kind of guys I want to fill out my taxi, taxi spots with. So that is one thing right after the draft that I'm doing. I'm clearing out the junk, and I'm putting those uh, those rookies like I'm going and picking waivers up, UDFAs, right? <laughs> even in a five-round rookie draft with a – bunch of uh picks that you're not too thrilled to make in the fourth and fifth round there's still some guys out there that are intriguing on waivers those are the ones i'm trying to uh, finagle onto the roster right now swap them out with the good players on my taxi and then i kind of have a a full roster that isn't over the roster limit so i'm not going to be uh relegated to not being able to pick anybody up if some news breaks, you know, where I I think for me, that's always been one of the big things where I look at a roster and I go, Oh, I don't have to make cuts till, you know, August, September. And then, you know, we're in the middle of July and like some Rob Gronkowski is coming out of retirement. Well, if I got to cut four guys just to be able to have the, uh, the ability to try to pick Gronk up on waivers, what was I doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't want to have to make that decision, snap decision then. There's a bunch of junky players probably on your deeper rosters or your deeper benches that you just go like, this is a, this guy probably doesn't have a chance in hell. <laughs> like, you, 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 you played yourself. That's what we would say, right? You played yourself. But right after that, Adam, to your point, man, I'm kind of getting a, a feel of where my team is. 
right? I, I don't draft for team need. I, I usually avoid trying to do anything like that. We- I'm just trying to figure out what the best value is. And then now I'm going to start to assess like what I need. What do I need? How do I want to position myself there? Is it through vets? Is my team not ready for these vets? Uh, or are these vets like if I acquire them, even if they're for the cheap, like am I stuck in holding them? <laughs> is this something that I can move? And when is that time frame I can move them on a rebuilder? So I'm with you. I also do this uh, this assessment of all my leagues when I get out. and I'm going, okay, how many quarterbacks do I have? Like what would a starting roster look like? What's my depth look like? Is this team compared to other teams in my league going to be able to make some noise this year or am I automatically a pretender? So I think right after we get into this conjecture season, I do want a full roster. I don't want to just sit around with a bunch of empty bench spots, right? Because I do kind of want to just get all the lottery tickets. (laughs) I want to get all those guys where you go, oh, yeah, apparently James Robinson is actually going to be a thing. This is from a few years ago, but apparently he's going to be a thing. I know he was a UDFA, but he might actually have a role or Elijah Mitchell the following year. So I want to have those guys on my roster, even if they're a slim possibility of, of doing something, because it's, I'm missing out in value if I don't keep them on there. But I don't want to be so locked up where I, I don't have the ability to snap on something that may have slipped through the cracks or some random vet coming out of retirement or getting traded that – we didn't think had any fantasy relevance whatsoever, and all of a sudden in July or August, the beginning of August, they actually do have a role or a path to being relevant. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, th- there's there's a couple ways that you can think about this and play this, and I think, Mike, we've talked about this for a while, and I'm I'm sure we're not the only people that know this or have ever discovered. It's not like we discovered this. We're not you know Albert Einstein, Benjamin Franklin. We're not acting like we discovered something, but. The dynasty clock and the way that you can play this up is so key. And I think when you when you think about this and you use foresight, th- th- this is one of the biggest edges, I think, at this time of the year that you can do. So l- let's say you're thinking about your team and you're, you're kind of on the fence of, I'm not sure if I can compete or if I should rebuild. Kind of a little bit in between, especially in lineup leagues, I think... If you have the correct roster construction and you have at least a a elite quarterback, you have one that's on the fence or you have two elite quarterbacks, you you should go in with the mindset of competing. And if you don't, you can get out of it. The reason I say that is, all right, so so let's think about all the ways this could play out. Let's say you have JSN, you have Quentin Johnson, you have Zay Flowers, I mean, shit. Let's even say you've reached on Kincaid, heavy tight end premium. I'm, I'm hoping if you reach, it's at least 1.75. If it's 1.5, Mike, like I'm, I'll not advocate yeah. for it. I won't. I, I really hope you don't take this guy in the first round. Personally, not saying it will be the right play or the wrong play for me. Process wise, 1.5 tight end premium doesn't warrant it. But if you took one of those guys, right? At least, though, with Kincaid, we're talking about on keep trade cut, and for a lot of people, somehow, this is a not just a top 10 tight end, Mike, a top six tight end in Dynasty. You're talking about for these wide receivers, they're pushing up the board all the time. JSN is a top 12 wide receiver, which could he go higher? Like, we, we look at Garrett Wilson, we look at Alave, sure. Absolutely, he could go higher. But, I mean, he he's... 
wide receiver 11. He's ahead of Drake London. I mean, how much higher can he go? Really? We're talking about T. Higgins, right. Devontae Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Olave, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson. Before we get to the elite tier, because there's no reason to discuss that, frankly. T. Higgins had a great rookie season. He had a great second year. Devontae Smith had a great rookie season, had a great second year. Chris Olave had a great rookie season. Garrett Wilson had a great rookie season. Like, these guys have not only proven it, they've either proven it for the one or the two years they've had in the league, right? Like, can JSN go higher on keep trade cut or could he have a couple great weeks and pass them? Maybe a couple, but like, what are we really betting on with JSN as far as going higher, right? Like at the wide receiver position, if you want to trade for somebody, okay. Yeah, sure. If you can trade JSN for the young guys ahead of them, that ahead of him, like I just mentioned that are proven it for two years or at least one fine. But I look the other way, Mike. I look at, okay, we're putting Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams there. And I think about my team and I say, you, you're not sure if you can compete yet. Let's just say you're a little bit torn, but you think there's a chance you can. When you look at it and it's JSN at wide receiver two, three, and you were to plug in Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill, or even Devontae Adams at wide receiver two for your team, how much that moves the needle on your contention. That is that right. is a big deal, right, in a shallow lineup league. Now, is there a world where either Devontae Adams doesn't smash or gets hurt? Yes. Is there a window where Stephon Diggs isn't quite the points-per-game producer? Sure, but what if they are? What if you traded that for – Essentially, what's the 106 in rookie drafts right now? One for one. Like, yeah. Th th the reason that's so crazy, though, and when you think about it in foreshadowing, and you think about like how this is going to work out, you do that now. Right now, keep trade cut, and some people might even laugh at you. Like, why would you do that? Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be the next Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Fine. Maybe he would be. But even there, we know that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were not league winners last year. We already know that. Yeah. If your team is ready to go, those guys that I mentioned before that are older, they they were league winners until Cooper Cup got hurt. But point is, you could win a league if everything went right. But if it didn't, though, like just think about this for a second. If you were like six to eight weeks in the season, okay, yeah, maybe maybe JSN still has that youth thing. You could trade to more teams. But think about what you could still trade at week six Devontae Adams like even if you ended up not being the team you thought you might be and you traded out of JSN for Devontae Adams or for Tyree Killer Stephon Diggs week six to week eight as long as those guys are not hurt you can still almost net back what you got as far as what you traded in for JSN you can still at that point pivot there but right now what we do know is if you hold JSN and we go into week six or week eight and he's not a, a top 30 wide receiver that's showing elite potential, you cannot do the same thing. You can't go backwards on this. You cannot trade JSN if he's not producing very well, very likely straight up for one of these elite guys when they're playing well in season. So 
for me right now, there's a window that's you got probably two months and then it's going to slam shut on buying crusty age. Now I'm using wide receiver, but this goes at tight end. This goes at all the positions, but the point stands for me of if you want to try to move the, the needle on your team winning, there's a very good chance that you can at least explore seeing if you can get into age and production versus holding this, you know, dynasty value and, and youth. Wide receiver is the easiest one to do it out of everyone because we overhype them every single year, right? We're all about the youth. We're all about the youth. But the good thing is the position is so damn deep that these vets just get pushed down. The fact that JSN is over some of these vets is, is insane. The fact that you were talking about like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, right? They hit, they hit in a big way for a lot of people as far as ranks go and how they moved up. But you're talking about two guys that, Scored right around 13 points per game in PPR right, leagues. Right. And then we're talking about a couple of receivers in like Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. Like those are guys that are threats for 20 every single year, 20 plus. Like these are guys who have legit wide receiver one overall upside, league winning wide receivers, and they're getting pushed down the board because what they're a little bit older. We can't see them doing it for another two years, three years. And who's to say they can't? It's not like any of them are ancient. They're not over that hill. I mean, hell, Tyreek Hill hasn't even turned 30 yet. And did he look like he was slowing down at all at age 29? Well, nah. the opposite was he he left Mahomes and had his best season ever. Like, if that's right. not the guy you want to bet on, I don't know what you do want to bet on. In, insane. So if you think about it, those one-for-one one flips that I can make right now, I do them all the time. And especially at the wide receiver position, Adam, I will say, because it's the easiest one where you're talking about, you know, week five, week six. All right, it hasn't worked out so well. The rest of your team may not have been ready to handle Tyreek Hill. But Tyreek Hill's out there scoring 20 points per game. His trade market is still pretty damn good. Right. Nobody who's a contender who's looking at, like, man, I want a wide receiver is going, yeah, I won't get I, – I got somebody else's mid-24 first. Yeah, you can go ahead and have that for, for Tyreek Hill. And, and you're probably going to get a lot more. You'll probably get a lot more at the time. But then in 24, you just go right back and you go right back to the same well. And it may not be Marvin Harrison Jr., but it may be the other Ohio State receiver or maybe one of these other guys as emerges who's the 105 or the 106 pick. And you're doing the same thing all over again. And now maybe the rest of your team is a little bit better. So wide receiver is the easiest spot to do it. But the one that like sticks out to me, Adam, is the the tight ends. The tight end is a crazy landscape right now. We're, it's, we're, it's it's outrageous, Mike. Let's just let's just before yeah. you dive into this because I know you're gonna kill this. Like this is what you're gonna get into Ludicrous. is absolutely criminal and doesn't make. I I hope at least this is just a algorithm keep trade cut thing because th th this is silly at tight end man. Silly. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, we're doing it not even with the rookie tight ends, Adam, but we're doing this thing all over again. Like, you know how much I love Kyle Pitts, and you love Kyle Pitts. And was it the best year last year? No, and I still value him very highly in Dynasty, but Kyle Pitts is right back to being tight end one, man. It's like we forgot that can't Travis Kelsey breaks your league at the tight end position. And until we see otherwise, why do people continue to move him down? Like, I get it, man. I want to be in on Kyle Pitts just as much as the next guy. But if you're telling me if I am if I have any type of team that's a contender, why isn't Travis Kelsey at the top for everyone? 
<laughs> even on a rebuild, they're like, I want Travis Kelsey because by week one, two, three, four, whatever, when some contender's going, man, I could use another piece or two. I got it. Well, I got Travis Kelsey here for you, man. Just sitting here killing it. Let me ask you this, though, because th- this is a good one if we go to the top end, okay? Because I think we, c- we can all acknowledge when we really get into the weeds, like what we're talking about with Kyle Pitts is different than a lot of these younger tight ends that we're hoping are going right. to come up, right? Like we saw Kyle Pitts, and, and, and to be fair to him at least, the the last two years, the only two years he's played, like it wasn't like he was in a prolific offense. He had a good passing quarterback. He ever had this like, yo, this was Kyle Pitts's. The, the reason he had this unbelievable rookie season was because that offense was just ridiculous. Like we can't point to that. And even last year, now I will admit, Mike, you and I were both in on Kyle Pitts because of what we saw in his rookie season, and we were both let down. And anyone that was in on Kyle Pitts at cost anywhere last last year was let down. But there, there was also, even when you look at last year, there's a lot of elite things you can point to and hope for in the future, just on his 2022 season, which it's crazy to think about because it was so porous and so bad, man. Like it was horrible. Right. But like target rate, target share, air yard share, deep targets, unrealized air yards. I mean, like I can keep going. Those were just one and two in the NFL as a whole. Right. The only, the only thing that throws you off about it, right. You listed a lot of metrics that I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I like it. I like it. And I'm still very well in. You still Kyle expect Pitts. those to be high, but production to be low. N- not just that. Like, I like the metrics, and I, and I will look at them. I mean, that's kind of the the, the reason last year, to, I guess, to toot our own horns a little bit on why we, we hit on a couple players was, like, looking at the metrics of Tua or looking at the metrics of, of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, like hitting on those quarterbacks. The thing when I look at Tal Pitts that stands out like a sore thumb, though, is the red zone targets. And then you also look at the touchdowns over the first two years and you go like, this 6'6 athletic monster has three touchdowns. I know it's not a sticky thing, but then I go and I look at, well, is it just unlucky? Was it bad? It's like, nah, last year they threw the ball five times to him in the red zone. That was it, five times. We get inside the 20, we're only dialing it up for Kyle Pitts five times in a year. Like that metric right there should get Arthur Smith fired. Immediately, who the hell else were you throwing the ball to outside of Drink London? Like, I swear, if Alameda Zacchaeus has more than five red zone targets, I'm gonna be furious. I will be now, irate. Now, I, 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 I agree, right? Like, there's reason for concern, especially when the team has no quarterback. Whatever you think of Ritter, like they have no quarterback, and they take Bijan at eight, right? Now. Alameda Zacchaeus does have five red zone I'm sure I was going to get to that. He probably did. Now, here's the crazy part, Mike. You talked about that. You talked about his rookie season where he didn't score touchdowns. Do you know what his expected fantasy points per game was last year? No. No, what was it? Number five. Wow. With no red zone targets, right? right? Like, j- just think about that, everyone listening for a second. Now, you're probably like, yeah, well, Adam, you're the guy with the, you know, the, the Kyle Pitts sticker on your wall. Like you're, you're, you're not someone to listen to and be really a reliable source. That's fine. All that still, but think about this way. Like Kyle Pitts, it, 
we're not going to see him do worse than he did last year. Like we can all admit that. It's just that's what his floor is. We we've we've acknowledged that. Now, no one thought his floor was that low. Let's call it what it is. But you're telling me when he was awful, absolutely atrocious with Mariota, who I mean, I hate Ritter, but there's no way it's at least not the same thing. Number five in expected fantasy points per game, Mike. Like that 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 one jumps out at me a lot just because I'm not gonna say that to your point with Kelsey and, and Pitts, right? Now if you take Pitts in front of Kelsey and you think that he's gonna outscore Kelsey next year, you're tripping. Hard. Right. Yeah. Hard. Like let, let me just let's throw that out out you, there you, quick. You, you talked about expected fantasy points per game. You know who was number one for the last like eight years? For, forget expected. <laughs> In fantasy points and expected, they they correlate, right? There's right. no difference there. It's Kyle. It's uh, it's not Kyle. It's it's Travis Kelsey. But the point is, and what I was going to get to, Mike. And let's say this is a clear direction trade for you. I'm going to ask two of them. You are clearly rebuilding. Someone else is clearly contending. Would you trade Travis Kelsey for Kyle Pitts? I'm rebuilding. I have Travis Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. One for, one for one, I'd do that. Hundred percent of the time, right? Listen, there, there's no the way you game. wouldn't do that, right? Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Okay, Mark Andrews. Now you're getting a little bit where it's just like, like if I'm rebuilding, do I really want Mark Andrews? Not that he's bad or anything, but it's just like yeah. it's more so he's going to score a lot more than Pitts, especially now that, that right. Lamar has a deal, right? Right. I think so, though. I still okay. think that's a pivot you make, and that's why you put them all in the same tier. It's just weird to see when Keep Trade Cut does this for multiple years, and the people who vote on it, it's like, how many times does Travis Kelsey need to break fantasy before we just stop? <laughs> well, we stop with the youth. You know what I mean? Well, and that and that's that, that's part of the dynasty exploitation, right? Is people want to have their cake and eat it too even when it's not possible. Like, it's just the way that this community goes. I think at least, though, you can see a scenario based on his rookie season, which wasn't like this great offense and any reason to think that's going to be the only thing he could ever produce. That's still, in a in a 20-year-old Kyle Pitts, is something totally different than we've seen from other rookies, right? Right. And, it, and I'll say, at least for, for Kyle Pitts, now... I understand it's a rich bet still, even though he's lost value. But there's a scenario where two years from now, three years from now, this guy is like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews in the flesh, but with elite deep ball ability and something totally different than we've ever seen. So if you're going to bet, like, okay, fine. Rich cost, but I get it. To the point of what I was making with Kyle Pitts in his rookie season and what we're getting to really here, Mike, right? Like, let's talk about the other rookies in this class that just came up that we have to totally stop what we're doing. <laughs> this is the thing, Adam. Right? So you get Pitts, Don't Andrews, Kelsey. Well, you get Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey at the top. Yeah. And you, we just had this conversation like, okay, you can make a case like one for one. I'm in. Right. Fair. Like one for one on a rebuilder youth. Okay. I can see it. That's why they're in the same tier though. After that, ho home, you know, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle. I'm not going to fight you either way. 
Like that's fair. They're fair spots, and they're definitely a tier below those upper upper echelon guys. Right, but they've also both at least shown done something when right? hitting like, elite Hawk, upside. Hawkinson once he got traded to Minnesota was fantastic. Right, the split show he was fantastic. George Kittle has has literally broken weeks in fantasy at the tight end position. Like I. I remember being on the wrong end of a few of those those 50-point tight end premium weeks where George Kittle is just smashing. So he's an elite option. Adam, what the hell is Dalton Kincaid doing at tight end six? What 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 are we doing? What are the people voting on here? I, and I, I would tell you it's like it's this rookie, this youth movement, right? And Adam, it would be correct if like the other tight ends behind him were like Darren Waller. You know, Evan Ingram, okay. One for one, you know, those guys aren't sexy, right? They're they're on the older side, right? They've disappointed us in the past. I get it. One for one on a rebuilder. I Dalton Kincaid or one of those two. I get it. But the guys after him aren't exactly like old, right? Pat Fryermuth, who's done nothing but produce for the first two years of his career. He he's behind Dalton Kincaid. How? How Dallas Goddard in in the most what efficient offense in the NFL behind Dalton Kincaid? <laughs> what, what are people looking at? I don't understand it. And I thought maybe it was just the Dalton. Like okay, it's just Dalton Kincaid, right? It's just him because of the Josh Allen landing spot, being with the Bills, uh, unseating Dawson Knox, who's. He's been Dawson Knox has been fine, Adam. He hasn't been uh, a world breaker, but he's been fine. He's been a serviceable tight end, but he he's really disappointed people for multiple years. It just hasn't ever been what we thought it was going to be. And now that Dalton Kincaid gets taken the first round, it's going like here it is. We're getting Josh Allen that weapon at tight end. He always needs. Okay, I can kind of wrap my head around it a little bit, and I can see where people would do this, and we're over our skis. Sure. But I get to tight end nine, and it's Michael Mayer. And I get to tight end 10, and it's my guy Sam Laporta. And I'm going, all right, now we're just bonkers. We are off the rails. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. These rookie tight ends are being extremely overvalued. I have no explanation for it, Adam, outside of people have lost their damn minds. But what says you? There's nothing to disagree with. They lost their minds. Now, now let, let me just say this, right? I've kind of been talking about this for several months as far as like the tight end position is so different. And the reason I say that, right? Like you talk about a wide receiver, it's the easiest to do it at. And there's truth to it just because like there's so many guys that we didn't even get to, Mike, at receiver, right? And that's the reason is it's so deep. Like we're talking about the guys to trade for, Diggs, Cup. Tyreek Hill, Diggs, right. uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Cooper Cup, right? Like, but you would say like wide receivers in general. When we go into any kind of draft or auction, like you look at 40, 45, 50 guys, where you go like, I want them on my team in some which way. But that's my point, exactly to your point, right? Like, okay, I know at cost what like auction dollars will speak to, what ADP will speak to, what I can see on trade shows will speak to. Like Amari Cooper at wide receiver 37 is a guy I'm buying everywhere if I think I can contend. Right. 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 Uh, Christian Kirk, as much as people will push back and, oh, well, 
Ridley's there, whatever. Like he's a, he's barely a threshold guy. Like okay, I don't even care the format. At cost, I think I'll buy Christian Kirk at like yep. mid wide receivers. You know, like there's guys at wide receiver that I can say going down the line, like that I'm willing to buy in on. I mean, hell, I'm not in on typically buying a 31 year old wide receiver. But if you tell me I'm I'm buying an almost wide receiver fifty cost, like I, I'll I'll shoot a shot on Keenan Allen. Yeah. Absolutely, I'll shoot a shot. Sure. Right. The difference though, when we get to tight end, is you cannot go down this gigantic laundry list. Like it's a CVS receipt of players that you are willing to shoot your shot on. Right. Whether it's old or young. The tight end position, I think what makes this so ridiculous and why it's so exploitable, though, is, for example, George Kittle, who's at this point tiered in, for those that aren't looking at it right now. He's in the same tier as Dalton Kincaid, for example. <laughs> what? what? Like, there is this tired narrative with George Kittle and his injuries and this and that. And I get it, man. Like, I've had Kittle on a lot of teams. Two years ago, there's probably some teams where he single-handedly was the reason that I could not go the distance, right? I was in the playoffs but couldn't go go the distance because he's hurt. I get it. I understand the fatigue with it, but like not understanding a couple things here. The fact that it's a shallow position group. So what it forces, Mike, like Evan Ingram, right? People are not willing to buy into Evan Ingram's last year because of all the years he is disappointed. Despite the fact that he was healthy, despite the fact that Trevor Lawrence is back, despite the fact there's no reason that he could not do what he did last year and more, it's not it's not exciting. Right? Like right now for people it's just not exciting. Neither is Njoku. Neither, definitely not Darren Waller who's somehow ahead of those guys. Right? And what, you, what you're looking at them surrounded by, and one of the reasons I've spoke about this so much is because it's so shallow, it's so exploitable, right? You got Pitts, you got Andrews, you got Kelsey, you got Hawk, you got Kittle. After that, like, it is a free world of, I mean, it's basically an insane asylum. Like, you pick. You tell me what you believe. Do you think Kincaid? Do you think Mayer, Laporta, Dolchich, Chig? McBride like McBride I mean I like McBride quite a bit right yes McBride didn't do nothing last year until (laughs) Zach Ertz was hurt and then still didn't really do nothing likely who's pigeonholed behind Mark Andrews until we can all probably not even you probably aren't listening to this podcast by that time like that's how long (laughs) Mark Andrews has in the league Darnell Washington is on the back of being a top 20 uh, tight end while people aren't writing Fryermuth off. Like, it's so, so shallow that people just can convince themselves of anything. And I think the biggest thing that I will do, Mike, always over and over is, especially seeing this, and I'll say this, I, I think this depends on your league and depends on what you're doing. But like, if there's any scenario where I can trade Kincaid for Goddard straight up, I'll do it. If there's any if any scenario I can even send a second with Kincaid to get Kittle, I'm in. Like, yep. forget it. For, forget all this because here's what ends up happening, 
right? And I think this is the biggest point that I wanted to make on the back of this that nobody cares about and nobody wants to hear until it's real, okay? So you heard all that excitement, all that youth, right? Let me tell you who's tight end 22. Irv Smith, who's yet to do nothing but somehow landed in a great landing spot in Cincy, right? Dawson Knox, who's given decent seasons, just got relegated to what? Irrelevant. Irrelevancy. Juwan Johnson, who's coming off of a tight end 10 or better season, depending on your format, nobody cares about. Noah Fant. Noah Fant was once Dalton Kincaid plus. (laughs) He was Kyle Pitts. Tight end 27, y'all. Mike Kosecki. Like, just think for a second. Like, I can go down this list for forever, man. Gerald Everett, Zach Ertz. What's going to happen is this. and I, I Just think about the people in front, though, right? The people in front of Kincaid for a second. Like Kittle, Hawk, Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts. You have either elite draft capital and production, or you have Kittle and Andrews who just so far and by miles outweighed their draft capital that you have no choice but to realize it. And it's so long, there's just no way to get them out of there. Everybody else from that point in Kincaid all the way down to tight end 30, they're going to go in cycles of sells and buys. And I am every time that it's Kincaid or Mayer or Laporta or any one of them, I'm selling. I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling forever. Because if you think that person is going to not only be the one that develops early and produces and stays in this range – Watch when you have Brevin Jordan, who I never even got a chance to mention because he's not in the top 50. Go ahead and do that. Make that bet. Right. I won't. Just dead. Right? Just dead. How many of those other tight ends did you did we hype up over the years, right? Remember the Chris Herndon hype? I know if Ray listens to this one, he'll remember it because he was on the train with me forever. It's Chris Herndon season until it never was. And- y'all, y'all remember when Austin Hooper killed uh, David and Joku? Right. I know y'all remember it's that. Over. It's over for him. And here he is back again. <laughs> you know, back you know, do you guys know where Robert Tanyan is playing football now? Anybody <laughs> that was trading Robert Tanyan, you know, trading your Justin Jefferson to get Robert Tanyan in a plus, like while J. Jeff was, you know, doing nothing his rookie season. It's just Janu. Remember when Janu went to New England? And it's like, right. oh, here we go. Like, this is the athletic guy. It's going to be the one. This and is it. I'm just okay. If you find the kittle, if you find the kittle, and you hold them the whole way through, you win. That will be yep. one out of thirty to fifty times. Go ahead, find it, do it. I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna sell every time. Yeah, it's pretty tough to hit, and especially in the recent landscape, right? Uh, like, kind of think about it too, Adam. You and I had this discussion, and we made a deal. It feels like forever ago. It probably Brev. is forever ago at this point. Not just Brev, but how about Daniel Bellinger, right? What was like, the oh, deal, by the way? Of... I remember I remember we did the Bellinger deal. What was that specific? I have no idea. I think I got a I'll, second. I'll try to pull it up. You me. go ahead and talk about it, though. In one of those leagues, but that was the kind of thing, right? Bellinger was coming off a decent enough rookie season. Uh, you kind of liked what he did. I'm going, all right. You know, like, I don't remember what it was. It might have just been a second or – 
might have been a second Jawan Johnson or a third in Jawan Johnson or something like that. And then what happens like a few weeks later? It's like, oh, the Giants traded for Darren Waller. Well, <laughs> RIP that, huh? <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing when you invest in, oh, he had a good, he, he people fight you all the time in the comments about it. Oh, he had a great rookie season at the tight end. Adam, I'm pretty much with you, man. If you want to be the one who's going to predict it, go ahead. You take the bag, and I'm going to hit far more than I'm going to miss, right? I'm going to hit far more than I'm going to miss, you know, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna hit on the fact that you get a Daniel Bellinger. You get a, you, you get a, a Brevin Jordan. You get an Adam Troutman, right? Remember how much earlier <laughs> – you know, two, three years ago, you and I are trading, fighting to the tooth and nail to get all the Adam Troutman shares we can. And now where is he? Like the sure third do. tight end? The third tight end in Denver? Woo! Now, Sign now, me up. Now, all the Troutman and Hunter Long that we held out hope for, like that's a learning experience, right? Now, at least I'll, I'll say this. And I still, like obviously Waller does not make it as exciting. But like our trade was a uh, Bellinger for Juwan Johnson in the fourth. So, oh, fourth rounder. I mean, yeah. now it's basically like in that fourth round range. See, the difference here that I would say is in that fourth round range, like you can probably, depending on this league and how it went, shoot a shot on. Sometimes Tucker Craft makes it there, believe it or not. Even if it's not that, Zach Koontz, like there's another shot Scoon at a maker. tight end upside player Brenton Strange typically always in the fourth right depending on where that pick was at I don't know right. what the spot was but like if you told me right now I got to make a bet on Bellinger versus Juwan Johnson I, I'm comfortable like I, I'd probably tell you I'd rather have Juwan especially knowing that Waller went there but it's not like the craziest thing in the world to lose that one but as as much as the fourth round sounds like who cares like that's also in this class and probably forever seeing what keep trade cut does with tight ends and how people sometimes value a three week window of a K Dotten, of a Bellinger of whoever it is that little plus for me. While it still doesn't mean a whole lot, especially when a league that was the shit league where I had 40 picks and I had to shed them. Like I don't have to give you that, which is another shot to either take another player or especially another tight end that can, find Dan, Daniel Bellinger's value, which he was a fourth, fifth round pick last year. So, I think it's probably one of the most easily exploitable. And, and that is an actual pretty mild trade for what Daniel Bellinger was going for at that time, right? That's mm -hmm. you selling me on a guy that I liked in Jawan Johnson. And I'm just like, I'm comfortable swapping if you give me any kind of plus, right? right. If you value, exactly. if you value Bellinger more than Jawan Johnson, all right, give me something. But for other people, man, he was going for seconds. Uh, he's going for multiple thirds. He's going for Jawan Johnson in a third, like those kind of moves. He's going for like people are trading Daniel Bellinger for Noah Fant, <laughs> right? Like, like oh, awesome. I wish I could have been that guy, but that's a mild deal for us. Now we're getting all kinds of crazy stuff. I remember helping out one of our patrons doing a team review, like Koopa. You know, we traded multiple chig and i don't remember who the other ones kate or something like yep. that right chig and kate otten for david and joku and a third and what's he going to do with the third probably draft tucker craft right? and if tucker craft yeah. becomes something he's going to trade him the following year and you just rinse and repeat this cycle he gets a usable tight end that's going to put up fantasy points and sells high on some 
second year youthful guys. This is a easily exploitable thing. We talked about it with the wide receivers, but tight end is the smash spot for it. Adam, let's move on and let's finish with the uh, with the running backs here. Does it differ for you at all at the running back position with this rookie hype? Like, yeah, are yeah. these kind of moves Definitely. that you're trying to trying to make? Looking at it, going like I got a Charbonnet or I got a Tank Bigsby, depending on how people are valuing them in this conjecture season. Does it change your values where you're going? I might go to some of these older guys, or is because it's a running back position? Does that change it as a whole? I would say it changes it, but it also here I think it's a lot um, more dependent. Let me say it that way. It's a lot more dependent. There's intricacies in how this works, right? Would would I bet on McCaffrey on a team that's loaded for Jameer Gibbs? I'd do it. I'd do right. it. Now, do I know that that is a very risky bet? And do I know if, for example, if McCaffrey goes out week three and has an injury that we've seen a million times before, like I know that I'm sinking my teeth into a colossal loss. Nobody's buying McCaffrey on. See, there was there used to be with McCaffrey types this window of, okay, well, I'll hold him until next year because I'm not ready to go. And then I'll flip right. him. Or I'll just hold him and I'm ready to win. Nobody's doing that for Christian McCaffrey anymore, right? Like no. the window of someone buying McCaffrey on the hope of next year is completely shut. But if you told me my team is so ready to go, I would I would make that trade on a contender that's absolutely loaded, right? I, I think, though, the, the biggest thing for me, Mike, is obviously Bijan and, and Gibbs I want to have everywhere. And, and we can all admit, like, their draft capital speaks to the outlier of those players. I mean – Look at Keep Trade Cup, for, for example, right? Bijan's already won, but like Breeze Hall, second round pick. Jonathan Taylor, second round pick. Christian McCaffrey, very high pick, but people also thought of him kind of like Gibbs. And I think of, I don't think of Gibbs as McCaffrey, but in that same idea where people wanted to pigeonhole kind of McCaffrey as this more passing work running back, like third down type, but plus. And then McCaffrey adds five to 10 pounds of muscle and he's getting the most insane workloads we've ever seen in the last 10 years. Right. And like, that's the thing about Gibbs. Okay. You got Barkley, you got ETN in first round, but everybody else, it's like Walker second round pick. There, there, there's, so, there's so few and far between, even if you go first round, they get top 12 draft capital. So if I'm going to, like just take r- rookie running backs or rookie players in general on a contending team, it's going to be Bijan and Gibbs. Now, after that, though, when we talk about the rookies in this class, I think where it's different for me is because in the class we expected, Mike, th- this 23 class, Dynasty Degenerates, think about it. Like we- we've been talking about 23 for two years, for God's sakes. And we get this, like you're talking about running back three in this class is not is barely a top 20 running back. No, I'm not trading these guys for the running back position. Absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Because what are they going to buy me? Right. De- Devin A-Chain is going to buy me what? Now, if, you, if you're telling me on an elite contender you, you want to take the Aaron Jones pivot or something, okay, be my guess. But truthfully, man, there's not many people in this running back class once you're outside of those two 
that are netting what I was hoping for and what a lot of people were hoping for with this youth push at running back like you see at receiver and you see at tight end. But the difference is what, Mike? The reason I want to stay here is because these running backs may not fire in the first four weeks, but they tend to really produce. Right. Why am I going to trade you my rookie in the 20s for your Cam Akers as much as I love him to death? We'll just use that for a second. I love Cam Akers. I think he could be a top 10 back this year. But there is no outs. There's no outs, and there's no even guarantee he beats any of these guys in points per game, especially in the back half of the season, which matters. Why would I do that? Like, why? Not necessary. Not necessary. So at this position, it feels like you're getting two guys that are such outliers that I will hold outside of rare circumstances or running backs that don't trade for what they probably are worth even on a contender. I'll just keep the youth until they start smashing and then maybe I'll look to move when there's a value bump. I would say the running back looking at all of these is the only one that's, I would say possibly still a little bit overinflated, but I have to work hard to find those, those discrepancies, right? The fact that like Derrick Henry's right next to Charbonnet goes, you know, giving me the choice. I'll take Derrick Henry. Sure. 10 times out of 10, but I got to work harder to find those ones. I think they're, they're more. There's also Miles guys. Sanders and right. Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> right, right, right. Those other no. guys that are. Yeah. You're Pacheco? You're Pacheco for my Zach Charbonnet? No, thank you. Dude, you. Hard pass. That is my leaps and bounds from what I'm trying to do. So it's. Right. It, 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 to your point, it, it kind of does vary based on the situation. But, like, as an overall theme, like, I'm not looking to do this. Just because of the running back, too, like, I think we also give him a little bit of break. You look at it. Rashad White was fine. Um, you know, I'm sure some people can point to certain metrics that they like. But overall, I was just kind of, all right, he's fine, right? Leonard Fournette was getting way too much work last year and, and kind of unseated him. He's right around the same spot, man. Didn't really gain value, didn't really lose value. And you're talking about a guy going to his second year. Running back's got such a short window, you have to worry about it. Not really in the first or second year. James Cook, that was my guy last year, really hasn't moved from where he was last year, even though he didn't really do anything. He has so, moved. <laughs> he it's has the wrong moved. way. <laughs> right, he's, he, he, well, I mean, now it's your point. It's not much. But, like, he he's running back 29. That – like him and Kendra are the same thing. Yeah. When 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 Cooks on a good offense and actually does finally project for a pretty damn good workload. Like that's part of the reasons why I don't necessarily want to trade some of these guys. Like Kendra is white as running back thirty. T- to your point, like now if you if you can trade Charbs or any of those other ones, a chain even for Henry on a cont- sure. Like there's there's exceptions. Henry. Right. Uh, Nick Chubb, Eckler types, okay, we're having a conversation. Like, I, I, I'll even add a little plus if I can get the Najee or something. But overall theme, I, even they might be slow starters, but typically running backs that have this type of draft capital with this type of pedigree are going to end up meaning something for your team where at receiver and tight end, Mike, that's the big difference for me. We've seen – the ones that we value in the top 10 at receiver didn't do me jack shit last year, right? Like yeah. outside of Kyle Pitts, they didn't do you anything 
in points per game. That, that That's the biggest difference is some of these running backs, I think, actually can, even though they're not valued as such. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog! That's right, Destination Debbie is now partnered with Underdog. An incredible opportunity, and you know my affinity for best ball. How about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments, getting that best ball money? And right now, if you sign up with promo code 4DCHESS, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to the first $100. And the best part is Destination Debbie Discord will be free to you for a year. You will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it. What a perfect marriage. Destination Debbie, 40 chess, underdog, best ball, say less and sign me up. Now back to the show. I'll put a whole bowl on this thing. Uh, kind of talked about multiple things on this episode, but it is what it is, man. Like, we have to start making some of these decisions on our dynasty rosters once the rookie drafts are open, are, are over. So, for me, the big thing, the bow on it, get your rosters in order. At least give you the flexibility. Get your taxi squad squared away if you have one. Get those roster clogger dumpster fires that you may have been negating. I know me... You know, when you do 30-some leagues, man, there's some that just slip through the cracks, man. I don't, I don't got enough bathroom breaks at work <laughs> during the day to always be on sleeper and just scouring my rosters. But then the other thing, remember what Adam is talking about, the dynasty clock, right? The, we are in prime youth season. There is nothing to talk about but rookies. There's nothing to talk about, hey, who's going to be the second-year breakouts? Everybody wants youth. Youth, 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 youth. Keeps me flexible. Keeps me fluid. Adam, it's it's at the point with wide receiver and tight end specifically, like those ones that we highlighted, where you can go and I think you can you can make some exploitative exploitative moves right there now. It is. There it is. Exploitative. We're going big words here, man. I'm, I'm upgrading my vocabulary. The vocabulary is strong, and that that's that's 100 percent correct. And, and I think for those of you listening, and you're kind of a little more puzzled or thinking. Ah, but like we're playing Dynasty. Why would I not want Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave? Now, this isn't to say that, right? And I think, Mike, at least to put a bow on this to to what your point is, like I, I want you to think about the clock for a second, right? Okay, so so Chris Olave last year was the one, at least early, that was showing promise, right? We can all admit that kind of the earliest one out of the box as far as points per game kind of solidifying his uh what we all thought of was he had the best landing spot best draft capital they traded up to get him even though i was pushing back on the prospect like he was proving that early then there was a lull and when you look at his overall theme points per game didn't matter right garrett wilson was whether it was flacco or zach wilson like it just there was good weeks but there was also no consistency but we don't even blame him right but but what typically happens though even even Alave, even wilson uh, a lot of these rookies what tends to happen is they start to find their footing in the offense 
And as the season closes out, and the reason I the, the clock is so big to think about, we we kind of we find we find a way to when the way the clock works, right? The early part of the season, there's going to be so many things that everybody thinks and talks up for the next three four months, and there's no way to to put them in check. There's no backing to any of the shit, right? It's just it's just you and your beliefs, and you can you can ride these narratives to the moon because there's nothing to put you in check other than like hyperbole. It's just it's just you, it's just what you think. Then all of a sudden first six weeks they hit you in the mouth and people kind of forget about that because the clock ends up working where we see the season play out we see these rookies end up doing well Elijah Moore even who people kind of hate still right had a great finish to his rookie season there's so many rookies that start to find their footing in the offense and actually take forward steps and start doing better in points per game so now you can tell yourself a story, even though their overall season points per game wise wasn't great. You look at the back six, back eight, whatever it is, weeks, and you say, okay, but yeah, here we go. This is why this player is ready to go. And cool, I get it. But what does that do? It feeds right into the, the cycle and the clock. So now when the season's over, and they didn't actually win you leagues, but we think they're going to be doing that next year, we, we have the same vision for all the rookies that are going to probably have the same cycle of six to eight weeks of not doing anything for your teams. And that puts a significant time when you think about the window. Like that puts an 80% window on youth because you can forget about September and October because November, December told you something different. And then it's January, February, August. Like, go all the way through. Like, it's all the way until the season starts. Like, you're talking about months, man. Months and months and months until the season's starting. Where it's just youth. Because the rookies played better in the back half, and now we tell a story about what they're going to do in the beginning to all see it fail in the beginning. So if you're a rebuilder and you want to know this clock and you want to say, I'm just going to lean my teeth or lean into this, this rebuild and, and sink my teeth into this youth movement fine but if you don't want to do that this is your window right this is your window to say i'm not going to continue this repetitive pattern of buying into these rookies that are not going to smash for me and go actually forgo a few years of dynasty age and try to find points per game in more solidified assets this is the time to do that like especially at the receiver position, I want to make sure that that is uh, a takeaway for the dynasty clock and how we get so sucked into the youth movement because for such a large portion, that is fed into that. And at the receiver position, you're just talking about, man, everybody thinks we've highlighted, right? Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Nobody remembers Traylon Burks, right? At this time last year, dynasty wide receiver Ooh. 15 right dynasty wide receiver 15 and now sitting there and holding on to the 30s like and it's nothing against Traylon. i want to buy the hell out of Traylon at those prices but if i was there last year and somebody's offered me dynasty wide receiver 15 prices why couldn't i pivot into another dynasty wide receiver 30 at the time one that we had talked about where i was like i can't believe this guy's fallen down this far Devontae right. smith Again, and I didn't even have to go the vet route. I didn't have to take on the risk of age. I'm still staying young. 
But the fact that these guys are getting pushed up this far is is the crazy thing, is the absolutely ludicrous thing that, hey, Traylon Burks is sitting here right next to Zay Flowers right now. Adam, I don't know about you, but I make that move 100 times out of 100, man. <laughs> you can have my Zay Flowers as much as I like them, as much as I love this signed helmet back here. I'll shoot my shot on Traylon straight up. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I, I get it, man. Especially in best ball, I, I'm, I'm in. I, I think if I was going to tell myself a story about Zay Flowers in this trade, it would be that he has now Lamar with a bag, right? I think I think the main thing for me with a lot of these rookies, if you're going to sink your teeth in, is understanding. Like Drake London. Let, let's talk about him. The Kyle Pitts thing. We're gonna we're gonna tell ourselves a story like yeah they're gonna get a quarterback, okay? When? When? How many are there? <laughs> they they've had a chance to take a quarterback and they took Kyle Pitts. They had a chance to move up to get a quarterback. They took Bijan Robinson. They were high and they took Drake London. Like the Traylon Burks. If Traylon Burks ends up having a good quarterback, if Will Levis pans out, if they get a good quarterback. Like I, I, I am a hundred percent with you. I think the talent of Traylon is stupid, and he also was injured injured uh, quite a bit last year. But right. like, who's his quarterback? At least with Zay Flowers, we can tell ourselves Lamar. But we also know it's a low passing offense. There's Andrews. I like him, but to your point, like if you tell me one for one, I can pivot. I probably do it. But if you're gonna sell Zay Flowers, it's that he's attached to Lamar and. The, the wide receivers that tend to fall down the board, right, they have no quarterback. Now, what makes Garrett Wilson crazy and what makes Chris Olave crazy is go ahead and tell me who their quarterbacks were. And I'm not saying you can't do it, but it wasn't always right. one. <laughs> it was multiple for both. They all sucked, and that's what makes them special. But, like, yeah, there's also – there's there's pivots, too, where it's like, why is Traylon getting to this point when we loved him this time last year? I think that's big, man. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, the biggest piece of advice I give to everyone out there listening is at least go explore in your leagues, right? You just made that rookie pick. You just took JSN. You just took Dalton Kincaid at the 111, the 112, whatever it might have been, and you're like, this was good value. Go see if there's somebody out there who wants to do something stupid. <laughs> Go see if somebody out there like Adam was talking about. I'll give you Dallas Goddard straight up for Dalton Kincaid. All right, bet. Yo. <laughs> Done. Sent. I'll give you uh, you know, I'll give you DK Metcalf plus for your Jackson Smith and Jigba. All right. We can make the bet on who the alpha is gonna be in Seattle for the next four or five years. I like that bet. I'll take it. Mike, I'll remember work. when remember when I was saying JSN, like he can't take over DK as the alpha in the offense. Well, right. maybe I was talking about the, uh, the actual like production because people in the community have, have thrashed me. Like I, my throat is slit They're They're telling me I'm crazy. JSN's already ahead of DK by two spots. Like what? Right. We haven't even seen any rookie minicamp highlights yet. <laughs> Some spectacular. That is crazy yet. to me. And it just, speaks to the points we're making, by the way. Wow. I just seen somebody go ballistic about a Rasheed Rice catch against an undrafted free agent corner. <laughs> so we're going to start this. It's begun. It has begun, my friend. It, 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 it has begun. Adam, take us out of here, buddy. 
yeah, we got to get out of here because it, it, it could get off the rails. But um, I, I hope this was valuable for everybody. There's there's a lot of reasons to explore these things. And if you, if you don't like some of the, the statements we've made or do you want to hang your hat on Justin Jefferson or Chase or some of these guys that come out of the box and smash, go right ahead. And listen, I'm not going to tell you they can't do it, but understand the hit rates, understand, especially at the tight end position, how unlikely it is that they do anything in points per game and that they almost always at least carry somewhat of a risk to go down in value. But anyway, all that said, uh, rookie hype season is upon us, even with the craziest part about all this we haven't even discussed, the 23 class flopping outside of the top six picks. We're still talking about this. So go out there, um, explore it in your leagues, unless it's in a league with Mike and myself where – you're not going to get it done. It's just not going to happen. Uh, we're going to be doing the opposite of that. So I hope you enjoyed it. Hope this gives you something to leverage in your leagues. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That'll do it. We'll be out of here. See you back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.